they're heading off, let me just quick reminder, what's the name of our church? Just yell it out. What's the name of our church? Great Bible, Bible Church. Uh, you knew that? Very good. I'm glad you knew where you were at. Um, I wanted to bring that up today. I wanted to remind you or, or to celebrate that today is that the, that the center of who we are as a church is that we lift up high God's word that we, um, we believe in its authority. We know that it is God's instruction manual for us today. And I believe, I think I've shared with you guys before that one of the, one of the uh, spiritual disciplines that I have been doing most of my adult life, most of my Christian life, is I have been memorizing um, Scripture. There's lots of good reasons for anyone to memorize Scripture. Um, it says, for example, in um, Psalm 119.11, it says, I hide thy word in my heart, O Lord. It says, it means I, I treasure, some scriptures say, I treasure your word in my heart, O Lord, that I not, might not sin against thee. Basically what it's saying is, is that when you memorize scripture, when you have it in your heart and in your mind, it's, it will help to keep you living the life that Jesus would have you live. That's a good reason to memorize scripture, isn't it? Treasure it in your heart. Another reason for, uh, that is good, a good reason for memorizing scripture is that um, there, will be, there will be times, if you memorize scripture, when you're in conversation with somebody and God will bring to your consciousness or raise in, into your consciousness some of those passages that you've memorized and he will use them through you to bring that person closer to Jesus. Another great reason to memorize scripture. Um, how about this one? There's coming a day, and we may be closer to that than any of us realize, there's coming a day when we may not have access to our Bibles, our physical Bibles, for whatever reason. And if you have treasured the Word of God in your heart um, and in your mind, no one's going to be able to take that away from you, right? So lots and lots of good reasons for us to memorize the Word of God and, and treasure it in our hearts. There are, uh, there's also at least one reason, one bad reason for memorizing uh, Scripture, and um, not that I know anything about this, but it's called spiritual arrogance. Um, and I'll give you, I'll tell you a little story about my spiritual arrogance. One day I was hanging out a long time ago. This is what, I wasn't nearly as mature as I am now. <laughs> I was hanging out with some friends of mine, and I thought I'd wow them with, with, with my scripture memorization. And... Um, what I didn't know as I was wowing and putting on my little performance, what I didn't know was that there was someone in that group who knew Scripture better than I do. And what I, what I was doing was that I was quoting a Scripture and then saying the address is this. So you know what the address of a passage of Scripture is, right? So it might be Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, something like that. That's the address. So I was, remember, I was telling them these passages of Scripture and then giving them the address. And my friend in the group who knew more Scripture than I did was recognizing that I was putting the wrong Scriptures together with the address. And she is tired of my showing off. And she said, hold on for a second. Craig, I'm not sure you got that quite right. Somebody needs to check him. And sure enough, when they went to check what I had said, I was wrong. And you know how I wanted to respond? I wanted to say, but everybody makes mistakes. Which is true, right? Somebody say yes. Thank you. I wanted so desperately to have an excuse for my spiritual arrogance, but instead, I felt like the Holy Spirit within me was saying, hold on now, buddy. 
Maybe there's something that you can learn here. Not a little bit of humility, for example. That, but maybe what I discovered was that there was something even deeper that I needed to learn. And it is that deeper truth that I want to share with you this morning as we continue our journey through um, Paul's letters to the Corinthians. For those of you who may be guests or visitors with us, uh, our, throughout the whole year, Billy and I will be uh, preaching um, through Paul, Paul's two letters in the Bible to the Corinthians. And we're in chapter 8 today. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And if you're going to use one of the church Bibles, which is awesome, and Billy always says, you know, if you, uh, we love it when our Bibles go missing. If you, want, if you need a Bible, take one of those Bibles home with you. We can buy more. Uh, that's a great problem to have as a church when Bibles are, go missing. So that's on page 1136 in your uh, church Bibles, by the way. And as you're looking that up, let me give you just a little bit of a refresher course of some of the things that we've learned these last several weeks on our journey through Corinthians that will help you to better understand the particular passage that we're going to look at today. We have learned these last few weeks that the church of Corinth was made up of a lot of people, new, brand new converts to Christianity, right, who come from a variety of different backgrounds and religions. Some of the folks are coming from religions that have, uh, as part of their religion, the sacrifice of animals on the altar. Um, we know that Jews did that, but there were other um, religions, if you will, that um, practiced the same thing. And um, one of the practical applications of this practice was this, or not applications, it was something that came out of it, was that after their ceremonies, after sacrificing their um, animals on the altar for their ceremony, there was all this meat left over. And some uh, really ingenious person decided, you know what, we have an opportunity here. We can take that meat, and after our religious ceremonies, we can go to the back, outside of the back door of the temple, and we can sell it to people for lunch. Sound like a good idea, right? It's a good way to, de de uh, to defray church expenses, that kind of stuff, right? You know, but that's what they were doing. And it was such a, um, a common practice that some of the people who had converted to Christianity were still doing it. They would go to these, these other religious temples after church, and they would buy the meat sacrificed to these fake gods and take it home and have lunch. And what was happening was, that it, it was creating something of a crisis of conscience in these new converts in Corinth. And it began a debate. And that's where we're picking up our passage of Scripture for today here in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. So it's all, all of that is the background. The Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, right, says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, starting at verse 1. He says, And now considering meat sacrificed to idols... We all have knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. So any of you who believe you had knowledge understand that you don't know everything. 
But those of you who love God, remember that you are known by God. Now, I've said this many times in the past. Um, when, when I was young in the faith and trying to read the Bible, I would come to a passage like this. Okay, they're talking, I don't understand eating meat, why eating meat to sacrifice to an idol is a big deal, but I, intellectually I comprehended it, right? But what I don't get is responses like that. What is he, that's a mouthful, right? What does, what, what does that have to do with, and now concerning meat sacrificed to idols? Well, let me try to break it down for you a little bit. Because what he's talking about here is a reflection of that deeper truth that I alluded to earlier. He starts out, basically what he's trying to say to folks, to the Corinthians and, and now to you, is this. He's saying, um, those of you who get or who know that eating meat sacrificed to idols isn't a big deal, you're right. You have the knowledge. It's not a big deal because these, these idols are fake gods. They, they don't even exist, right? So why would it be a problem for you to eat meat sacrificed to a fake god? It's just meat. So, those of you who have the knowledge, you're right. You got it. It's a nod to people who have knowledge. But he doesn't stop there, does he? He goes on and he says, but knowledge puffs up. Whereas love builds up. What's he saying? Well, let me kind of read between the lines for you. In essence, what he's saying to his friends is that, um, yes, you have knowledge, but what if? What if God were to ask you not to do something that you know is okay? Eating meat sacrificed idols doesn't mean a thing. It's just, it's just meat. What if God was, is suggesting to you that, or asking you not to do something that you know is not a big deal, but he's asking you not to do it because you love somebody else? In other words, because by not, if you do something that you know is okay, but it hurts the faith of another person, would you be willing not to do it? You see, the people, there were people in the Corinthian church who knew that going out to the back of the temple and buying meat for lunch that day from meat that was sat, they knew it wasn't a big deal. It was just meat. But there were some who didn't quite grab that yet, and it was, it was bothering them. In fact, it was, it was shaking them. It was shaking their faith. And he said, would you be willing, even though you know it's okay, would you be willing not to do that which is okay because you love somebody else, because you don't want to hurt somebody. For the sake of love, would you not do something that you know is okay? You see, this passage of Scripture ultimately really doesn't have anything to do, or has very little to do anyway, with meat sacrificed to idols. 
I wouldn't have spent my, my message time this morning preaching on this if this passage had, was only about meat sacrificed to idols. That would be stupid. How many of you have eaten meat sacrificed to idols lately or been tempted? Anybody? Raise your hands. Come on. Not an issue, is it? But that's not what this passage is about anyway, is it? So what is this passage about? What do you think this passage is about? Let me sum it up for you this way, that deeper truth. Knowledge without love is a dangerous thing. It's, it's potentially a hurtful thing. Knowledge without love can lead to arrogance. Um, judgmentalism. On the other hand, knowledge with love leads you to Jesus. You see, they need to go together. They must go together. You, see, if you've interpreted anything that I've said today as though it's not a good thing for you to have knowledge, for you to gain knowledge of Scripture, for you to know what's right or what's wrong, don't, I, obviously knowing knowledge is a good thing. But knowledge and love need to go together because without them going together, they can lead to some bad stuff. But with them going together, will lead to Jesus. So if I, what, what kind of an illustration could I use today? How could I illustrate that truth for you in a way that, that you today might be able to understand better? How about this? Um, for me, I'm just talking about me. I'm going to use myself as an illustration. For me... I know that it's okay to have a, a glass of wine or a beer now and then. I've studied the scriptures. I know that my having a glass of wine or a beer isn't going to cause me to abuse alcohol or to lead me into a destructive lifestyle. I know that. But what if I have a good buddy that it is a problem for? And we're out together... And I know that it's okay for me to have a beer or a glass of wine, but I know that it might cause him a problem or cause him to stumble. Would I be willing not to have a glass of beer or wine because I love my buddy? What's the answer? Of course, right? Obviously that's the answer, right? But I want you to stop right there for just a second, will you? Because... It's, it's so easy for us to hear it the way I just described that to you and swallow it hook, line, and sinker. But you need to be careful. Because that line of thinking is what caused the Pharisees to call Jesus a sinner. Did you know that? The Pharisees watched Jesus um, hanging out or having a party with, with the... With the uh, prostitutes and the tax collectors and drink a wine himself and they call him a sinner. I don't think Jesus is a sinner. Do you think Jesus is a sinner? I don't. But that's exactly what this line of thinking can lead to if you're not careful. Because that line of thinking was saying, well, you know, if there's anything that, that might be, uh, that I might do that might... Uh, be perceived wrong by somebody else, and well, I just ought not to do it, right? That's what we do. 
And that's how we become Pharisees. Judgmental. Well, I, I know I saw Ron at pizza the other night and having a beer. Oh my. Sorry, Ron. I, had, I didn't see you. <laughs> Ron's good. He always comes back. He says, I am not sitting here again. <laughs> you notice John sits way back there in the back now. <laughs> me. Jesus would, when Jesus hung out with the prostitutes and the tax collectors and went to parties with them because he loved them. And he didn't care what people thought of him. He cared more about loving them than he cared about what people thought of him. Why? Because he had knowledge with love. Which leads to Jesus. Does that make sense to you? You see, we want to make up all these rules and what the rule needs to be is knowledge plus love equals Jesus. Do what Jesus would have you do. And I know that sounds simplistic, but it's not. Because something that may be wrong in one instance is if it causes hurt and pain to another, you don't do it. But if, if, it, if it's something that, that helps lead another to hope and salvation, like... Going to a party and hanging out with sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors. Want that more than wanting to be seen as holy in the eyes of whoever. Knowledge without love is dangerous and, and arrogant and judgmental. Knowledge with love is Jesus. Amen? Here's some good news. Here's the truth and then some good news. The truth is, you are sinners too. I know that's not politically correct, but you are. So am I. I don't know what's going on in your life. You don't know what's going on in my life most of the time. But what I know is that we are all sinners. And the good news is that Jesus loves us in spite of our sin. The good news is that Jesus has come to us and says, I love you unconditionally. You don't have to clean up the mess which is your life before I'm going to love you. I love you now. And then he loves you so much that he's not going to leave you there. Because he knows that, the, that, that sin that is in our lives right now leads to destruction and, and hopelessness. But he leads to hope and life. And he loves you. Now, for that to be true for you, for you to experience the truth of that beautiful statement, um, you need to embrace it. It's truth whether you embrace it or not, but it only becomes real in you when you embrace it. In other words, you need to make the conscious decision for yourself to accept the love that Jesus is offering to you. Um, we, we say this all the time, but it's the truth. Just because you came to church today doesn't make you a Christian. doesn't make this hope that I just described to you real in your life. It only becomes real 
when you embrace it and when you embrace Him. That's when it goes from religion to relationship. That's when it goes from, you know, just something that we talk about to something that I live. I get to live in too. So if you've never accepted Jesus into your heart as Lord and Savior, maybe today you should. Maybe, maybe today is the day. Maybe you've done that before, but you haven't been living like you did. And maybe today is the day you should. You should start living like you do, like you believe it. And if that's something that you would like me as your pastor to pray with you about, it'd be my privilege. Right over there is his open door, and that's our prayer room here at Pray Bible. And if you'd like a prayer with your pastor, whether it's a prayer for salvation and lordship, or if it's something else going on in your life or in the world that you want to pray about, I'll meet you right